Hello, Porrick. Good morning, uh, listeners. Uh, it's time now for the gardening show. Good morning, Porrick. Good morning, Viv. Good morning, listeners. It's lovely to be back for the autumn yeah. gardening show. And you can really feel it this morning, can't you? That drop you in temperature, rain promised tonight. Yeah. Um, and mist this morning. The fog and, yeah, and mist this morning. But dare I say it, we actually needed that sup of rain, Viv. Yeah. Things were getting very, very dry. Um, you know, garden shrubs in general were perfectly fine, but lawns were beginning to show a little bit of stress. Yeah. Bedding plants, plants in pots and containers, so, you know, we need it. There's nothing like the natural rain. Now, we are promised heavy rain tonight. So my advice to people is use today to get those key jobs where rain is important. So, for example, the feeding of lawns. If you want to get your lawn back into a nice, healthy, green condition, this today would be an ideal day to put on some autumn lawn fertilisers. And they're designed to green the lawn without forcing any growth. So you get this lovely green effect. And you need the rain to wash the fertiliser in. So if you get an hour today, get out get the lawn feeds on. If you need to feed any plants, for example, fruiting plants would benefit from a bit of feed at the moment because they're producing lots of of energy into the fruits like apples, pears and plums. Um, Then a a liquid feed or a granulated feed of something like sulfate of potash now or high potassium feed like a rose feed. Um, Indeed, roses, again, I'd give them a feed at this time of year because they will continue to flower right through until the end of November, often into December if they're fed at this time of year. And if you get some time today, deadhead some of your plants. So if you've got plants that are going out of flower, the flowers are beginning to go over, then trim off the old flowers. That'll encourage new growth, particularly if you feed them. And um, they'll continue to flower later into the season. So they're the type of jobs I'd be doing if you want to sow some seed. I actually brought you in for many gardeners at the moment, they're digging out their seed, their main crop potato varieties, um, all the first earlies, the second earlies like British Queen, people have been digging those for the last couple of weeks and we'll be starting on the main crop varieties. So if you've got a spare piece of soil in the garden and you want to sow something from seed, there's lots of seed that you can actually sow in September. It's nature's time for sowing seed. And I brought you a few in. Things like broad beans, they can be sown directly into the garden soil. They're great for kids to sow because they're actually quite large. These large broad beans, they germinate in the autumn, they grow through the winter and you harvest them in late spring and summer of next year. And they're really simple to grow and a fun how item. Would you, how would you grow those? You just simply... In uh, the garden. Uh, yeah, in the, directly into the garden soil if you've got a ridge. Say you're digging out potatoes or taking carrots out of the ground or whatever and you've a spare piece of ground, you just rake it over. A small bit of general vegetable fertiliser like Vitex Q4 mixed in and then simply sow the seeds. The seeds of broad beans are quite large. I mean, they're very visible. You press them into the soil. You just cover them with a, a, the soil. You just rake it over and leave them alone. And the rain tonight will settle that seed in and they'll germinate within oh, about 14 days. You'll see the young shoots starting to come up from broad, broad beans and they're winter hardy. So yeah, you can I was going to ask you that. because yeah, they're, they're not affected by the frost. The frost no. No. Also, quick maturing. There's lots of vegetables that you can sow at this time of year that are rapid growers. So things like radish, so all the radish, they're ready in six weeks. So if you sow them this weekend, within six weeks, so the middle of October, you're going to be harvesting the radish. And you can pick those as small baby radish or let them grow. Outside as well, are they? Directly outside. These are all outdoor, directly sowing into the garden soil. Okay, right. right? Beetroot. Again, many people will have beetroot and they'll be harvesting beetroot, but you can also sow the seed of beetroot again at this time of year and pick them as baby beets. So they're small, they're about the size of a golf mm-hmm. ball in about six weeks' time and they're beautiful coming into sweet. October and November. Very, very sweet, very thin skin at that time of year and they're absolutely lovely. Um, rainbow mix is probably my favourite. It's a lovely mixture of different coloured beetroots. So you've yeah. got red, orange, yellows, whites. Um, lovely, they look fantastic on a dish but they're also very easy to sow. And within six weeks, those seeds will have germinated. Turnips, there's some... Again, really good varieties of turnips. And turnips can be very sweet as we come into the autumn. This is one called Golden Ball. It's a yellow, bright yellow turnip. And again, sown from seed and picked within a six or eight week period. Again, you're picking them about golf ball size. So they're very, very sweet. You hardly have to peel the skin off them. You can boil them and eat them, you know, fresh from the garden. Just wash them. Never heard that. Absolutely, normally grow them really big or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. and you can, you know, and many people have grown them that way. But this is a kind of an easy crop that you can sow at this time of year for the autumn and early winter period. Speedy veg that comes in a whole range of different types. Generally, they're all leaf 
So they're leaf lettuces or mixtures of different types of leaf, spicy leaves, oriental leaves. Um, this one in particular is one called leaf salad. So it's lovely as yeah. a, a salad crop. And you can actually start picking that within three to four weeks of sowing. So if you sow it today, by the end of September, first week of October, you're starting to harvest and you keep on trimming it right through the winter. You could actually grow that in a window box if you wanted, Viv, just yeah. as some greens. So what's that one again called? That's, they're the Speedy Veg range. Speedy so veg. They're generally a collection. They come to us from Sutton's um, and they're a collection of different types of leaf seeds. So this one in particular is called leaf salad. So if you want a nice they're salad mix. and everything. All they? pre-mixed. You yeah. simply just sow the seed, let them germinate. Again, you can sow them directly out into the garden soil. If people have tunnels or greenhouses, perfect location yeah. to grow them as well. Window box? Window box if you want to keep it on your patio. So again, and once they're ready to trim, uh, literally when they're three to four inches high, get out the scissors and start trimming them and start using them because the flavours are very intense in that young yeah. growth. And finally, cabbage. So there's a very good variety of cabbage called Wheeler's Imperial, which is a, a cone-shaped cabbage. You sow it from seed, again, directly out of doors at this time of year. Now, if you want, you can sow them in trays inside on the windowsill and get a faster germination and plant the little baby plants out in about two weeks' time, um, if you want. But that's a really good one, Wheeler's Imperial. Wheeler's Imperial. Imperial. It makes a really nice cabbage sown at this time of year. Um, it grows through the autumn and winter, and you're harvesting it then around the middle of April uh, early May, that time of year when you don't normally have cabbage in the garden. That's a lovely one called Wheeler's Imperial. So there's lots of seeds. I mean, I only brought a small selection there, Viv. Lots of seeds you can sow now. But I think the message you're trying to get across here, right, is preparation, thinking ahead. Sowing like and that. reaping principle. It's all what gardening is about. You yeah, know. So I mean, you often, you you know, it's, it's, it's funny in March, we always get questions here on the programme uh, about daffodil bulbs. You know, people see them in flower yeah. and they start looking for the bulbs or where can I get a few daffodils? Because of course they've forgotten to plant them back in, in September. it's too late then, obviously. Well, it's, you can get yeah. them in pots and containers, but this is the time of year. So that's sowing and pre- reaping principle what you sow now you reap later on in winter and spring of next year so it's all about and I suppose the, re- the key message really is don't leave the ground bare for the winter yeah. there's always something that you can put in there next week I'll be talking about the Japanese onion sets and the garlic their little bulbs that you can plant from next week on yeah. uh, from the middle of September onwards and they will actually grow through the winter uh-huh. and you'll harvest them around Christmas time and coming into the spring of next year but September is also bulb planting time Yes. And I always associate, you know, when you see the bulbs coming into the garden centres, the snowdrops, the winter aconites, the crocuses, the tulips, narcissi, when you see those coming in, that to me is the, the sign of autumn. And they came in literally this week. So I brought a couple of packs in for you Show to me see. What you have, yeah. And the beauty about bulbs, I brought you in a bulb. So there's a tulip bulb, Viv. It's hard to believe that that bulb is three years old, grown in Holland. Yeah. Um, I spent a very happy summer many, many years ago picking harvesting the bulbs in Holland as a student. Um, I went off on my tent and we spent the whole summer working in the, in the fields in, in, in Holland around Alsmere, picking the bulbs and harvesting the bulbs right through the summer. So the students from all over the world do that every summer and uh, it's, it's a fantastic experience. And of course, they're in garden centres at the moment. Can I tell you something interesting? Go on. Okay. <laughs> I was just reading about Audrey Hepburn. Yes. And she was brought up in Holland during the war. Huh. Right? And... When, so they, they had no uh, flower. So what they did was they used to use these. The tulips. The bulbs. Yep. To make. Flower. Flower. Ground them down. Whatever they did. But yeah. I don't know, but they used to do that to make the flower out of the bulbs because as you know, tulip bulbs and all that come uh, from, from uh, there originally. Absolutely. Isn't that very interesting? Absolutely. And, they, and, and the, um, the interesting thing is that the, that bulb that you're holding is a three-year-old bulb. So the flower embryo that the flower it's going to produce next spring is already formed within the bulb. I can see something there. So all it needs is water and uh, temperature, water and heat to get it to grow. So this is the time of year that we actually plant bulbs into the garden and for particularly for listeners that have, that maybe put in a wildflower er- area which yeah. trended really well for the last number of years. So if you've got an area that you've had the wildflowers flowering through the summer, put in some spring bulbs because they're going to give you colour from January through to the end of May, depending on the variety you pick. So thinking about snowdrops, which flower around Christmas. Yeah. Winter aconites, which flower actually before Christmas. And then coming into the spring, February, you've got the crocuses. You've got the lovely frisillarias. You've got the bluebells. And if you are planting bluebells, make sure they're they're um, Irish bluebells or English bluebells, not the Spanish bluebells. So we want to plant Why? kind of... Well, they're... The, the, Climatizes so it's, it. It's, yeah, the bluebells, the Irish 
bluebell or the English bluebell is native to Ireland, yeah. native, um, and it's our native species. And the Spanish one tends to be a lot more vigorous and tends to take over, a bit like the grey squirrel and the red squirrel. Yes, that type of of garden. So mink. plant the, the Irish or English uh, bluebells. You get them in your local garden centre. Um, plant bulbs in clusters. So plant them in groups together. That's where they look. You know, more natural so yeah. don't just plant single rows plant them in little groups what I generally do if you're planting an area is just get a handful of bulbs throw them wherever they land start planting them and is there a particular like I see there's a like this what's that on the bottom of that that's the there? base so that's where the root comes from so where does it go here that's it so it doesn't go upside down can yeah, it but even if you plant it upside down yeah. it will still grow All right. it's another great thing of nature yeah. So even if you plant a tulip upside down or a yeah. daftal upside down or sideways or whatever, in other words, you cannot get it wrong so with just bulbs. throw it in there. Throw it in the ground. How deep does it go? Normally, for most bulbs, you're planting them twice the depth. So you can see that particular tulip is about t- two inches in height. So for tulips, I like to plant them a little bit deeper. Yeah. So I plant them generally six to seven inches deep into the soil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for most bulbs like daftals, snowdrops, um, they're perfectly fine at, at twice the, the depth of the bulb. So, you know, don't worry too much as long as you're not putting them a foot deep type yeah. of thing. Yeah. They're yeah. fine. And they have, interesting enough, bulbs have retractive roots, which means that if you plant them too shallow, they'll actually pull themselves down into the ground. Stop. Isn't that interesting? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so that's nature at its that's best. So look at this the time of year to plant bulbs. You tell can plenty me some of other time. ones. Yeah, tell me some other ones. You have. A lovely tulip called Red Riding Hood, and I like that one. It's a real old variety. It's a dwarf miniature uh, tulip. It, it flowers in April and early May. It only grows about six or seven inches in height, but the leaves have a beautiful variegated coloration. So you've got green and red in the leaf. So before the flower appears, the bulb, the, the, the foliage is actually. Absolutely very attractive. And then the flower is a scarlet red flower. Sure. That's it in flower. Oh, yeah. Red riding hood. Beautiful variety. Lovely. Brilliant in pots, containers. So if you're planting up, say, a window box or a patio planter for a bit of autumn colour, you'd be putting in things like winter heathers, winter pansies, winter violas. Put a layer of these red riding hood, hood tulips in first. So plant them about halfway down into the pot. Cover them with compost and then plant your autumn and winter plants on top and they will force the way up through them in the springtime and give you a stunning show of colour and it's a great thing even though you mightn't have a spot picked out to put the bulbs into you can simply pot them up into pots little black pots little containers leave them outside use regular potting compost put about six or seven bulbs together in the pot uh, just leave them outside for the winter. They'll be perfectly fine. And then in the spring, as they start to grow, you can decide exactly where you want to plant them. So you, yeah, you can actually replant them. Just tip them out of the pot and, and replant them. Very if you good. want a nice dwarf uh, miniature daffodil, this is one I like. It's one called Tete Tete. Now, there are loads of different varieties. I just happened to grab these this morning. There's varieties like February Gold. Another one I like is one called Jetfire. It's got an orange trumpet and a bright yellow f- uh, flower at the ba- at the uh, the back. And again, it's a miniature Jetfire. They're a beautiful variety. This is one called Tate to Tate. Again, nice miniature daftal, easy to grow. Doesn't get too messy when the flowers go over. It keeps very tidy. And um, they'll grow anywhere. I have actually them grown in a gravel. You know, my driveway is a gravel yeah. stone. I have them grown in the stone for many years. And they grow, there's no soil there. And they're there's mostly soil at some place. There. No, there's no soil in it whatsoever. <laughs> so they're grown. And they're grown in the gravel and they, they flower every year and they're absolutely beautiful. I grow that variety day to day. I have a whole line of them. Here's another one for cutting. If you want a narcissi for, to use as a cut flower. So this is one called Bella Vista. And again, it's got an orange centre and a white like uh, a fried egg, really. It is like a fried egg, egg isn't yeah. it? A beautiful variety, long stem, lovely for cutting. And you can get a collection of bulbs then. This particular one I have in is one for bees and butterflies. So if you want to get bees and butterflies, uh, yes. the, the nursery have put together a collection that are ideal for the bees and the butterflies. But look at there's a whole range, Viv. That's only a selection. Um, brilliant project to do with children. Yeah, so I know I the schools are, actually, yeah. are gone back. So if, you, if teachers are looking for a project to do with children I think bulbs are great because they're very tactile and they'll see them growing over the winter period you'll see the roots coming out of the under the pots um, you, you can often grow them in, in containers as well in in, the, in in the classroom if you want and uh, by early spring then by January February March they're seeing the bulbs beginning to flower so it's at the, the whole process of, of planting and, and uh, growing and it says on the side of it there, by planting the Blooms, Bees and Butterflies collection, you create not only a flowering garden, right, uh, and a haven for pollinating insects, you also contribute in reversing the decline in the bee and butterfly 
population, which I know is a subject that's very close to your own heart. Oh yeah, look at it, they bring in bees and butterflies and if anything, the amount of butterflies this autumn in particular that I've noticed in the garden, particularly with the good weather. So the caterpillars have done well because of the caterpillars have done well, we're seeing lots of butterflies at the moment and they're, they're absolutely beautiful. And uh, the bees have done relatively well in the last number of weeks because of the heat and, and the amount of plants in flower. Um, so yeah, anything we can do from biodiversity. And this is really the point I'm making for listeners that have put in wildflower patches in their garden. Those plants tend to flower from June till September, October. So why not put some spring bulbs in to get that early spring colour yeah. as well? So you're extending the colour from January, literally, to September. That's fantastic. And uh, I tell you what we'll do. We'll go for the first break. There's a yeah. little, as the man says, there's a rake of questions coming in. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll go to the break and be back to the other side. The excitement is palpable across the county as the Mayo Club Championship begins this weekend. As always, Midwest Radio will have extensive coverage across the weekend with reporters at all the games. We'll also have live commentary on Sunday from the meeting of Castlebar Mitchells and Charlestown Sarsfields with John Lynch and Colin Boyle on duty. Due to the busy schedule, the Sunday evening sports roundup show will run for an hour from half past seven. So join us for all the Mayo Club Championship action this weekend with thanks to Ceramic City tiles and bathrooms Castlebar, Charleston and Sligo best in the field to create your perfect bathroom more on ceramiccity.ie This Sunday morning Faith Alive returns for a new season here on Midwest Radio and each Sunday Father Brendan Hoban and myself Monica Morley invite you to join us at 9am as we discuss the religious issues of the day we chat to people about their experiences of faith and God and much more and we'll bring you reflections and music too that we hope you'll enjoy so do join us this and every Sunday for Faith Alive here on Midwest Radio starting at 9am Dunstore's Double Savers gives you new ways to shrink your back-to-school bill. Save in the aisles with half-price on selected Heinz favourites, like baked beans six-pack. And save on washing essentials, like Purcell 3-in-1 capsules, now half-price. Then save again at the till with our 10 50 grocery voucher. Shrink your bill with Double Savers, new from Dunstore's. Dunstore's, always better value. Terms and conditions apply. Voucher can be used on the next grocery shop of 50 euro or more. Tarva 47, live music and sports bar Balana. Live band every Saturday night. Live band this Saturday night in the basement bar. Sailor Bill covers all the best and biggest yesterday and modern day hits. Tarva 47, the best in live music and DJs every weekend. Book your party or special occasion with us. Tarva 47, check us out on Facebook. Mayo County Council is delighted to announce the Local Live Performance Programme, a series of live events across the county taking place this August, September and October. The programme includes music, theatre, comedy, circus and more. Full details for events can be found on mayo.ie. The Local Live Performance Programming Scheme is funded by the Department of Tourism, Culture, Arts, Celtic, Sport and Media and administered by Mayo County Council. Our journey has seen us inspire world-class engineers, drive passion for the arts, and pioneer breakthroughs in medicine. This is the place to drive cutting-edge research. This is the place to learn and the space to grow. We are Ulskal Nagalive, University of Galway, on Oats and Manitou, Bor de Wahasat Your space and place to thrive. Discover more at universityofgalway.ie. Now, you're very welcome back to us. Uh, can I go to questions? Of course. Okay. Golden Crest is three feet high. Can I plant for a hedge now? And how far, how far apart even yeah, so this do is, I sow them? This is Macrocarpa Gold Crest. It's, it's a golden foliage conifer. Um, it's the type of plant, when you buy it, it looks really pretty because it's, it's this bright golden conical shape. But it's a plant that can grow anything up to 50 feet, 60 feet. So be very careful where you plant it. I've actually seen them planted on graves Believe it or not. Yeah, and they're too big. So um, my advice really, I mean, if the listener wants to grow it as a hedge, yeah, you can certainly do that. Plant the plants two feet apart. Um, it will take trimming, but trim it as a young plant. So give it a year or two and then start to trim it and start to shape it. And um, it'll make a fine hedge. And if you, if you go near the bottom of it, that's a problem because it'll get leggy, will it? Well, if, if you cut it too hard at the base, certainly it will. Yeah. You need to prune it on a, on a regular basis. Just trim it with a hedge keep. Trim, uh, hedge trimmers. Generally, hedges should be kept slightly wider at the base, wedge shape, 
Right. So wider of the base than on top. So ideally a head should be maybe a metre wide of the base and probably 60 centimetres wide of the top. So it's, you've got that kind of sloping yes. wall of foliage. So a metre to 60 Yeah, and that yeah. makes sure that the, all parts of the hedges get, are getting light. So never cut a hedge straight down because it tends to belly out on top. Uh, yes. So just have it slightly inverted so it's it's slightly wider at the base than on top. But Marco Carpa will take regular trimming um, and just remember that it can get too big if you if you don't trim it on a regular basis. So we've won about potatoes here. I, I've holes in my record potatoes. What can I do with them, please? Well, there's not a lot you can do at this stage. My advice really is to get them out of the ground, dig them out. It could be a wireworm that you may have. So wireworm is a small, very thin worm-like pest that bores through potatoes. It'll bore through records or curse banks or any variety, to be honest. Um, so the longer they're left in the ground, the worse the damage. The other thing that can affect them are black slug. So there's a black slug that affects and that tends to be more surface damage on the tuber of the potatoes. Yeah. It, it tends to be a lot more um, visible. Yeah. So my advice really is get the records out of the ground now. It's a beautiful variety. Probably yeah. one of my favourite potatoes, yeah. records, um, and a really good variety. And it stores relatively well. So dig them up and get them out. What is the, what's best to put on lawns for weeds and the best feed for camellias? Okay, so, so lawns, and, and remember back in the springtime, I was advising people to hold off on, the, on controlling weeds in the lawn because the dandelions, the daisy, the clover, they're all in flower in March, April, May, when the bees are very active. At this time of year, of course, the weeds are just green. There's no flowers on them. So if you need to treat weeds in your lawn, this is actually the time to do it. Okay. Um, now, the, you need a dry day, obviously, to do that. You need a calm day to do it. And uh, something like the Dicofar works really well. So Dicofar is a selective weed killer and that it only controls broadleaf weeds. So it'll control daisies, dandelions, clover, plantain without affecting the grass. Uh, you need obviously a dry day to do that. Um, and any time through September, early October, it works really. It's a very, very, very effective. So don't cut the grass for about a week. Make, pick a, a dry day, make up the dicofar in a knapsack sprayer, apply it to the area and within seven days the weeds will be controlled. And the best feed for camellias? Well, and this is actually, it's a very good question because this is the time of year where camellias produce their flower buds. So camellias, rhododendrons, azaleas, all our spring flowering magnolias, for example, they're producing their flower buds over the next four to six weeks. And it's at this time of the year they need regular watering. Now, the rain is going to look after that tonight, but they also need regular feeding. So I would feed with an ericaceous feed, pop into your local garden centre. There's a specific feed for camellias and rhododendrons um, and apply that every two weeks from now till about the first week of October. Okay, lovely stuff. Let's go back to some more questions. And if you've got camellias in pots, do keep an eye on that because they can get quite dry at this time of year. Uh, So keep them well watered. Okay, I have a plum tree, no fruit for a few years. And this year I have a grey crop. How right. do I store them? Any ideas? Well, plums don't store particularly well unless you dry them. Or make you know, them in jam or something? Yeah, or, or make them up into a, into a jam, exactly. They're, so plums are generally used within a couple of weeks of, of harvesting them or else you need to dry them. That's the only really way to, the, to store them. This is typical of, of plum trees. They tend not to flower or fruit for, for a couple of years and then you, they give you this enormous crop of fruit and what you might find next year is that, that you li- have little or no fruit next year. So, the, so if in a year where they bear, bear a lot of fruit, they can often skip the following year and push all that energy into producing new stems and new leaves. So keep an eye out for that. A way to get around that is to actually to thin the fruit, to take some of the fruit away in the middle of the summer. It's too late for this year, but the next time this happens, thin out some of the fruitlets. So don't allow the tree to bear all the fruit. And then, a lot of pressure. And then it'll, it'll come back to a more reliable yearly cycle of producing fruit. And how do you dry them? Just put them in the air press? Yeah. It? yeah, yeah, yeah. Take out the stone in the centre. So cut them open. Um, literally split the, the fruit, take out the stone and dry them. Okay, and they like dates, wouldn't yeah, they? Or exactly, or something. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's great. Uh, please advise motorists in the Ackle area due to a cycle event. There may be delays on the Mulrani to Ackle Road between 10 a.m. and 11.30. That's just a notice for our listeners. Uh, listeners wondering about wildflower seeds. Uh, can I sow them this time of the year? Well, think what's happening in nature, Viv, at the moment. If you look around you, all the wildflowers, all the, the, the weeds, as it were, or the wildflowers are producing their seed. Yeah. So nature is producing its seed as we come into autumn. Um, all the t- 
trees are beginning to bury the mountain ash have beautiful berries on them at the moment the white thorn have the hose yeah. uh, so we're, we're seeing lots of uh, fruit being formed and it, in September is a great time to sow the seed of wildflowers so because you've got the heat in the soil so the soil is still very very warm and you've got the moisture now after the rain and seeds will germinate very very rapidly during the month of September so it's a great time to put in wildflower seeds so what I would do if, if you've got an area in the garden just rake it over uh, plant maybe some spring bulbs that I mentioned, some of the dwarf daffodils or something yeah. like that. Rake the soil over once planted and chuck on some wildflower seed. You can use seed like this. This is actually a, a collection of wildflower seed that's specifically for birds. If you want to bring birds uh-huh. into the garden um, or if you've got lots of birds visiting your garden, this is a particularly good mix. You can get mixes for shaded areas. You can get mix, mixtures of wildflower seed for woodland areas for to create a wild meadow mixture. So Again, pop into your local garden centre. You get a small box of seed that's pre-selected and pre-mixed yeah, for a specific. That's, that's, that. it. that's one specifically yeah. for birds. So that particular uh, collection produces a lot of seed and the birds come in and feed on that seed in the autumn or, or through the winter period. Uh, so, yeah, a great time of year to, to set up a wildflower area. And also it's a good time of year to start feeding our garden songbirds. So as we come into September, birds need to build up their fat Level So a great time to put up a small um, feeding unit and indeed a good time to start thinking about cleaning out nesting boxes and, and maybe putting up some new nesting boxes for the winter. OK, that's fantastic. Again, a lovely little project uh, yeah, for schools, great, yeah. great little project for kids as well, because if you sow the seeds in September, by next summer they're in flower. So it's yeah. a relatively short period and the kids will see them actually growing over that period. It says there in that box there that they give three to four months growth. Right. Yeah, I, and it's thirty meters square. What's that? And that's roughly ten meters by three. You know, so it'd be a, a kind of a, a, a reasonable size patch. Thirty by your, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a reasonable size area. Yeah. I'll put in some spring bulbs with it, and I think it'll look really well. Yeah, I love that. Lovely. Uh, welcome back, Porik. Says a listener. Uh, could you advise on when and how to cut back uh, fruit apple trees? They're bearing fruit and they were planted last year. Great, already bearing fruit. That's that's fantastic. Um, so, first of all, um, any whippy growth that the trees have made this year, that should be pruned back now. So, if it's any of that kind of extension growth, and generally apple trees will have made about 18 inches or two foot of new growth over the summer period. So, shorten that back by half. Even though they're still in leaf, it's a great time to do that. And that helps to produce flower buds for next year. The other key thing is to look out for the apples that are there already. As soon as they're ripe, you need to pick them because the birds are going to get them or the wasps are going to get them over the next couple of weeks. So you'll know when the apples are ready. If you clasp them in your hand, lift them and twist them, they should come away in your hand relatively easy with, or okay. with a small tug. Yeah. Um, if they're not ready or if they're still you know, quite resistant on the tree, maybe get a bit of netting and put it over the trees as well. Particularly, these are relatively small trees, so it'll be very yeah. easy to net them to keep the birds off them. And there was a yardstick you always used to use about having a, a, a different varieties in the same garden. So for, for cross pollination, yeah, yeah it's, it's critical to to you know when you're planting apple trees. Generally, I recommend to put in three different varieties. So maybe a James Greve, a, a variety called Katie, and indeed you could introduce a cooking apple. So you could have one, one cooking apple with two sweet trees, or you can have three sweet trees dessert varieties as long as they're different different varieties so they cross-pollinate so when they're in flower the bees can work between them and cross-pollinate one another. And can you or, plant them now trees? You can indeed yeah again we're coming into the traditional planting time for because again remember that the soil conditions are still very warm yeah. the moisture is back with us so it's perfect planting conditions so if you want to put in an orchard or a couple of fruit trees or you want to put in a new hedge or you're thinking of putting in a new lawn for example September is actually a great month for the sowing of seeds, as, as we've mentioned, the planting of buzz, but also the planting of plants in the garden. If you want to put new shrubs in the garden or whatever, then certainly now with the, with the drop of rain coming tonight, soil conditions will be perfect. Okay. Rather than leaving it for, you know, another six or eight weeks when things will get a lot more mucky and wet and, and heavy, the soil is actually very workable at the moment because it's still relatively dry and it's still relatively warm. So plants going into that are going to just take off. The listener has bindweed in white thorn hedge is taking it, it over. Is there any way of stopping that? Is there? Uh, you see the problem with you know bindweed. You know the bindweed. Yeah, I haven't got a clue. Okay, so bindweed. <laughs> so bindweed is uh, so it's it's a perennial weed. 
it's a herbaceous weed as well, which means that, first of all, perennial, it comes back year after year. Herbaceous, it dies down to nothing in the, the winter. It's invisible in the winter and re-emerges in the spring. And it can grow three, four metres of growth in one year and loves to grow through hedges, laurel hedges or uh, white thorn in this instance. The problem is when it's mixed in through other plants, you can't put any weed control on it without damaging your white thorn hedge. So what I normally do is just cut it at ground level. So if you go down your pans and knees, sharp spade and cut out the stems um, where the bindweed is, is starting to originate from, that will control it, it will help to... And it will just die away naturally well, through, through the... It will start to grow next spring again and you know, you're going to have to repeat that over a number of, of seasons and you will weaken it over a period. Yeah. Now, it's not the worst looking thing growing up through it. Like a white thorn hedge is generally, you know, you're looking for that kind of rural uh, farmyard type hedge and a bindweed growing up through it looks perfectly natural. And it's not doing any damage it's not, to... Well, not to an established hedge. Yeah. If they bind, if the white thorn is, is, you know, several years old, then the bindweed isn't going to impair it to any great degree. And it produces a beautiful white flower. It's oh, actually very pretty. Go. I know them, <laughs> yeah. actually know them, but I have them yeah. out in the footcuff. Yeah, yeah, so I know exactly you what you're now, um, I am sowing a potted laurel hedge in poor soil. Will I use well-rotted farmyard manure or what fertiliser yeah. uh, do you suggest? Okay, so first of all, laurels are hungry. So they're hungry. They need, they need uh, uh, good, plenty of nutrition. Um, farm manure is probably one of the best. So what I would do is dig a trench in the area, put a good six to eight inch layer of rotted manure now, make sure the manure is well rotted, that it's at least three, two to three seasons old, that it's beginning to turn into soil nearly. Put that into the bottom of the trench, put a skim of soil over that and plant your laurels in. And um, that'll give them a really, really good start. The other key tip when you're planting new hedges is to trim the tops of them back. So when you're putting in your laurel, once you've them planted, trim them all back to the one height. So you might be taking two inches off one plant, four inches off another, just trim them back because the trimming back helps to thicken them out. So people think, well, I won't touch it for three or four years. I'll let it grow tall. The trouble is it will grow tall, but it will grow very leggy. Whereas if you trim the tops of newly planted laurels or Portuguese laurel or Escalonia, whatever, Grisolinia, you're thickening the plant and you're making the hedge a lot stronger and a lot bushier and nice and dense from the base all the way up. Uh, early spring then, as we come into April, start feeding the hedge with something like the Osmo Pro 6 and do that once a month on a new laurel hedge up to about the end of June and that will really keep it going. Okay, a listener has French lavender in pots. Uh, they have grown. Uh, can I cut them back? I want to plant them out. Uh, there's rust on the leaves. And thank you and welcome back. Oh, great, great. Well, first of all, French lavender are beautiful. I mean, they're, they're generally still in flower at the moment and if they are, why not enjoy them for another couple of weeks? Um, Lavender, it's a Mediterranean plant. It needs free draining soil. So that's why they do well in, in pots, containers, because you've got good drainage there. The thing that kills lavender in Ireland is actually our heavy, wet soil. And particularly in the west of Ireland, the amount of rainfall we get. So when you're planting lavender, you need to mimic a gravelly, gritty, free draining soil. So I would add a lot of a bucket, literally, of pea gravel into the soil so that you nearly have a 50 50 gravel soil mix that you know so when you put the spade in Viv you're hearing that crunch of gravel so that's what lavender needs really really good free draining soil to be successful and it also needs a sunny location if you can mimic both of those then lavender will do really well but here's a plant that I grow instead of lavender it's a plant called Nepeta Parisian Blue and it's a dwarf Nepeta it's in the Capmind family Um. I have it in flower in the garden at the moment. It's absolutely beautiful. It only grows about eight inches in height. It grows about a metre wide. So this big ball of foliage. Um, this foliage is scented. It's in the sage family. So when you crush the leaf, it smells of, of mint. It's got that minty smell. The leaves are a bluey greenish colour and the flowers are a, are a, I would call them a lavender blue colour. Parisian blue. I'll actually do it. When I go back to the, the garden, I'll take a little video and I'll, Put Do it up for next week okay. just to show people. And that Nepeta will grow on any type of soil. It's not fussy. You can hack it back. It's a really non, no-nonsense sort of plant. Yet it only grows 18 inches in height by about a metre in width. And it's flowering in my garden for the last uh, eight weeks, 12 weeks probably. Lovely wow. little thing. 
Listen, do you mind if I take a break? Because no. we have a load of questions on WhatsApp. Sure, and sure. We only get those in, on, on the final one there. And there's a few more here to do as well. So we'll do that and we'll be back to the other side. The excitement is palpable across the county as the Mayo Club Championship begins this weekend. As always, Midwest Radio will have extensive coverage across the weekend with reporters at all the games. We'll also have live commentary on Sunday from the meeting of Castlebar Mitchells and Charlestown Sarsfields with John Lynch and Colin Boyle on duty. Due to the busy schedule, the Sunday evening sports roundup show will run for an hour from half past seven. So join us for all the Mayo Club Championship action this weekend with thanks to Ceramic City tiles and bathrooms Castlebar, Charleston and Sligo best in the field to create your perfect bathroom more on ceramiccity.ie there was a monster who lived in the trees in a house that would rattle and shake in the breeze it was cold and small with a terrible leak that would drip on her head and her hands and her beak she needed it fixed and all in one batch because she had an egg that was ready to hatch so she went to the credit union for a renovation loan and got new windows, insulation and extended her home. Monster loans from the credit union. Imagine more. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Credit unions in the Republic of Ireland are regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Hi, Tommy Marin here. This September, as part of World Health Month, Cree, the heart and stroke charity, is delighted to partner with pharmacies across Mayo to offer free blood pressure checks. Cardiovascular health is important to everyone, but particularly if you're over the age of 55. You should have your blood pressure checked at least once a year. Join Cree this September to own it, check it and sort it. See Cree.ie for the list of participating pharmacies and join us this September to take control of your blood pressure and heart health. Mayo College of Further Education and Training is now accepting applications for Level 5 and 6 QQI courses starting this September across our three campuses in Castlebar, Westport and Ballina and six hubs throughout Mayo. Apply now at mayocollege.ie. Over 50 full-time courses to choose from. Work experience and paid Erasmus plus placements are available on all courses. Learn, practice, work and progress with Mayo College of Further Education and Training. Mega laptop sale, now on at Curry's. Save €140 Euro on the HP 14-inch laptop, now 329 Or get the HP Pavilion laptop, now 449 Save €100. Euro. And get a one-for-all gift card up to €150 Euro when you buy selected laptops. Get in-store or online at curries.ie. Teens in the Um, after a busy week, actually, you had a very busy week. You were with Tommy there during the week, right? I was on Wednesday, yeah, and with yeah. a huge amount of questions. Great great to see the interest back in, in gardening again. Now, here we're going to go to WhatsApp yep. and get a load of questions. Uh, hello, gents. I purchased Crystalinia, uh, and they're 18 inches. Great. They're growing well. They have an, they're around 30 inches now. Should I let them grow and trim them back or help thicken them? Uh, that's Mary. Many thanks, Adrian. Well, like I said, you know, ideally, Adrian, when you were planting the hedge, I would have just taken the tops out of them. You can still do that now. Give them a trim back. The plants won't start to bush out or fill in, Viv, until they lose the top growth. So Adrian should cut at least two to three inches now. just off the tops of them okay. now. Yeah. Can you please ask, Porik, what is the best fertiliser to put on a newly seeded lawn this time of year? Thanks. Okay, so September is a brilliant time to put in new lawns. That's the first thing to say. Ideally, I'd like to see people putting in the fertiliser with the lawn seed because it takes a couple of weeks for the fertiliser to dissolve and be available to the new grass. Having said all that, you can put a dressing of Osmo Pro 1 over that entire lawn area now particularly with the rain coming and that'll give the lawn a great feed and don't and remember the next dry day as soon as the lawn is ready for cutting start trimming it how do you store begonias for the winter well they're still in flower there's no need to touch them for at least another four to five weeks and then you simply just cut them back lift up the bulb take off the compost and wrap them up in newspaper and stick them in the garage good morning here's a good one now uh, probably it'll be similar to the bindweed wood uh, one uh, can you recommend to me how to get rid of wild grass taking over my hedge I set 600 copper beech last well, summer well done. a lot and the majority are surviving but the grass right. is taking over okay. also if I was to clip the top of the plant would it help them grow thicker as they are tall but not very thick uh, that's Kathleen in Foxford. Yeah, so the trimming back is going to thicken them up and you could trim the sides as well, Kathleen, as well. Um, in terms of the grass, remember the copper beech are deciduous, so they're going to, they're lovely at the moment, they're lovely in purple, so leave them alone. 
The leaves will turn to a rusty brown colour as we go into the end of November and it's at that time of year you can treat the grass with weed-free 360. So that can be applied onto the grass at the base of the hedge. It won't affect the hedge as long as you do it around the middle of November, the first week of December. Two questions here for Porik. How do I get rid of fuchsia hedging entwined in a stone wall and how to prepare ground for wildflowers? A lot of weeds. Okay, well, in terms of the weeds for wildflower, and it is important to get rid of the weeds. So again, next dry day, I would just, uh, again, apply something like the Weed Free 360 because... That will kill the weeds without contaminating the soil. It'll take about a week for the weeds to die away. You simply rake the soil over, get some garden lime, shake it onto the area, plant some spring bulbs and then put in your seed and and just rake it over and and stand back. In terms of the fuchsia, if you want to get rid of fuchsia through a stone wall, again, you can use the Weed Free 360 to control that on a dry day. Did you ever hear of something called apple weed killer? Apple weed killer? No. No, it doesn't. If I'm reading that right... Uh, bindweed, uh, it's a gel by hand, very effective. You can get, you can get a gel, yeah. They used yeah. to be Roundup gel um, or tumbleweed gel, but that's not available anymore. It was like a hair gel. You paint it onto the leaves of the of the bindweed. Tedious job. I know. <laughs> I'm lucky I don't have that problem. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, I have, here's a picture for you now. Look at this. I have these ferns in my garden and I never planted them. I like them, but how did they grow in my garden? Well, ferns, ferns produce spores. Like any plant, they produce seed, or, or we call it spores, and they just spread by by wind. I mean, they're beautiful. Ferns are, yeah. you know, they tend to love a kind of a shaded area. Uh, they like moisture as well. Uh, some ferns will actually grow. I have some growing in a dry stone wall that I never planted, and they just seeded in. So they'll, you know, they they're terrific, and but they're they, very they, decorative. It goes by air. Yeah, they're yeah. spread by air. They're spread spores, by spores. Yeah. By yeah. Spores. Welcome back, Porik. What is the best time to transplant? Uh, a peony rose? A peony rose. Well, yeah. first of all, the thing with peony roses is they don't like being transplanted. So that's the first thing. Um, you, they may not flower for a couple of years after transplanting. Having said that, the right time to move them is any time from the middle of November through till March. Dormant season. Dormant season. Once yeah. they die back, you simply just dig them up and transplant them. If you're careful, you might be lucky. They may come into flower that, that year, but sometimes it just sets them back for a year or two. It's only a temporary thing. They will come back into flowering yeah. again, but um, just just be mindful of that. Now, look at this. Oh. Well, lads, why is there small holes in this cabbage? Also in Swedes, have sprayed with organic garlic. Please yeah, help. so what, what, the, what that is, a little bit of flea beetle damage. So flea beetle is a small beetle, shiny beetle. Um, he eats little pinhole leaves or, or holes in, in the leaves of cabbages, swades. Swades and cabbage are in the same family, so they're in the brassica family. Um, so the pest will, will feed them on all. To be honest, the damage is very, very minimal. I wouldn't worry too much about it. I wouldn't. There are other sprays the listener could use, but to be honest, it's it's only on a couple of leaves, so it's not going to do them a huge amount of damage. Continue with the garlic spray. That's very effective. Um, but, uh, you know. You don't prune them or anything like no, that? No, 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 no. They'll, they'll continue to grow. Keep them weed free and um, they'll be perfectly fine. The flea beet will stop eating uh, plants within the next couple of weeks anyway. Now here's one for you. Here, one. Uh, hi Parik, my fig tree only produce figs late in the summer and they're very small. Do I leave them or break them off? Thanks. Corina. Who put the fig into the fig roll? Was not the, was oh, not the famous question. That's actually before my time. I don't remember oh, yeah, that. There you yeah, go, yeah. So listen, figs do very well in Ireland. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're a Mediterranean plant um, but they do really, really well. Generally grow them on a, on a south-facing wall to give them a bit of protection. And the interesting thing about figs is that they produce their embryo fruit this summer and it won't ripen until next summer. So you'll see the little figs on the, the small little baby embryo figs uh, which the listener is talking about here, the little fruitlets, and they will literally sit there until this time next year. So next August, those figs will actually ripen. And it's not uncommon to have ripe fruit. That's what she has. That's what Karina has. And no, I would say she's got, she says they're small, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, At the moment. So she, um, what she's seeing is the small embryo fruits that were produced this year, but they don't ripen until the following year. But it's not unusual to have ripe fruit and small embryo fruit on the same tree. Well worth growing and so easy to grow. Here's one for you now and your expertise. Are wasps as important as bees and should we be killing them when they come onto the house? What do you think? 
I think I possibly. <laughs> which one does the plants? Is, is, is it bees that do that? Or is well, they, all, they all pollinate. All right, so okay. wasps are pollinators, yeah. bees are pollinators, hoverflies are pollinators, butterflies are, are pollinators. So they're all insects that visit any plant are pollinators. The thing about the wasp is the wasp is a carnivore. So it eats uh, meat. So what meats are in the garden? Caterpillars, green fly, white fly, black fly. So the wasp is there eating all the, your, your bugs, caterpillars, the all the bugs. Yeah. So they're harvest, eating those. The reason we see the, um, and they bring them back to the, the nest, the larvae feed on the, the actual um, pests they bring yeah. back into the yeah. garden. So they're hoovering up. I always say the wasp is a gardener's friend because it's yeah. hoovering up all your, your pests. So leave them alone is my advice. The reason that they become a problem this time of year is that the caterpillars and green fly are disappearing at the moment or will do in the next couple of weeks. They have nothing to feed on. So then they come around looking for a sugary substance within our... uh, And generally, it's only the queen that survives through the winter. All the others die die away anyway. So they they can become a pest, uh, a nuisance, I suppose, a better term. A lot of people are afraid of them. Yeah, yeah. No, and look, I respect that and, and, and yeah. the, the, you know, you have to... Uh, they never... Yeah. So, did you yeah. ever get stung? No. <laughs> well, I did, of course. You know what I do, I, I do, right? Yeah. I just actually... If a bee comes near me, if it even lands on my face, I ignore just it. Just leave it alone. I ignore exactly. it. Exactly. And I have absolutely no problem And that's the that. right thing to do. Yeah, that's the right thing to do. But, you know, some people have phobias about them as well. Yeah. But they are, from a gardener's point of view, the wasps do a, a huge amount of good, particularly from March right through until September. And I know they can be a bit of a nuisance then after that. We have another picture for you here, <clears throat> all right? Uh, good morning. Can you help with this or is it too late? It was regularly watered during the summer. Thank you. Let's have a look at it. Oh, it's not looking too good. What is it? It's completely well. It's completely dead. It's it's a it's a standard, a little half standard. So I would say that was either a fuchsia or it's hard to see. There's nothing left on it. Yeah, it looks looks like it has passed away. To be honest, now, what the listener can do is just test it. So, um, take one of the branches, scrape the bark. If there's green pigment, if there's green tissue inside, it may reshoot again. But looking at it there it's in a very very small pod as well for it's quite a big plant a big headed plant so it looks to me like it has moved on okay I actually saw an old bath full of wildflowers so you can sow them in anything oh you can absolutely and they'd be lovely bath would be lovely that's a great idea isn't it yeah any container a bath would be perfect because you've got the depth um, again put in some spring bulbs into the um, into the bath you know the, some of the tulips we mentioned or, or daffodils or snowdrops would look lovely next spring as well so a great, great thing to do. How can I move roses that are in flower, please? Is that possible? Don't leave them. Well, if they're in pots and containers, you can certainly move them um, into, you know, plants that are in pots and containers, they can be moved, no problem. If they're flowering and growing in your garden, leave them until November. So enjoy them at the moment. Continue to deadhead them. Give them an occasional f- feed. And then once they drop their foliage in, around the end of November, you can cut them back, dig them up and transplant them into a new location. Okay, let's have a look. Uh, please, we'll we do that afterwards. Uh, let's have a look at this one here now. There's another picture. This hedge after trimming seems to be dying back and leaves blackened and dropping off. Advice, please. Yeah, it looks to me like uh, Portuguese what is laurel. Portuguese laurel. So first of all, there's an awful lot of grass and weeds at the base of it, so the, the, the hedge is competing with that. Um, secondly, it's got a, a fungus disease called downy mildew on the foliage. So what I would do with this is get rid of the grass and weeds at the base, give it a feed, Again, put on the Osmo Pro 6 and put a little bit of fungus clear onto the foliage and yeah. that'll help to protect it against any but fungal you, as problems. As you said, the grass on the bottom. Yeah, that that's competing. These are the Portuguese lars. That's they Portuguese lars. They should, should be... be Complete, it should be dark green, very healthy. Uh, obviously, there's competition between the, 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 the weeds. If you feed it and the weeds are there, you're only feeding the weeds. So a good clear off the weeds. And that's important with newly planted hedges or, pla- you know, keep... Get get rid of the competition at the base of it. Don't have grass and weeds and rubbish growing at the base of them because it's competing for moisture, for yeah. nutrition, for everything else. Where can you get common cabbage seed? Well, the, that particular seed that I mentioned, Wheeler's Imperial, that's under the Sutton's brand. It produces a lovely, lovely conical soft cabbage um, by, you know, spring or early summer of next year if sown now. And that'll be available in any garden centre. Uh, what do you call this plant? And do you grow good? Do they grow good in pots? Oh, yeah. So I, I think this listener, well, it looks similar to a question we had in with Tommy. So there were there are two plants in the photograph. One is the hydrangea. Yeah. So this is uh, hydrangea phantom. That really should be planted out into the garden soil. Yeah. It's gone a bit leggy in the container. Leggy means the leaves. It's yeah, just yeah. gone tall. It's yeah. not bushy. Um, so I would 
transplant. No, you can leave it in the pot for another couple of weeks until it finishes flowering and then transplant it. But that plant will make a two metre wide plant. Uh, yeah. It'll grow about 1.4 metres in height. There'll be literally loads of flowers on oh, it if you like transplant if, it. If you com- and the other- comment on that plant, the actual pl- uh, the planter, or wherever. Well, the pot, the pot is it's it's too it, small or something? It's too small, yeah. yeah. So I would take it out of that pot. I mean, hydrangeas need either very large pots, hydro, meaning water, yeah. So hydrangeas need plenty of space. That plant is better in the garden soil. And there's a little anthranium right beside it. Yeah. Did you see that? The little pink anthranium. I did, yeah. That could be planted out as well uh, into the garden soil. Uh, good morning. As I don't know the variety of my hydrangeas, could you please tell me how and when I should prune them? Joe and Ennis prune. There's two pictures there, but so look, have a look at that one first. Just going on that one. So see, the, these are the macros. So uh, this came up when we were chatting with Tommy on, on Wednesday about the pruning and, and the various different types of hydrangeas and that some hydrangeas don't flower. So you've got two basic types. You've got the macrophylla, which are the traditional mop head uh, hydrangeas, they produce their flowers on last year's growth. So you have to be very careful about how you prune them. You prune them in the winter and you only remove the old flowering shoots, right? Yeah. The paniculata varieties, which are the, they're more like an ice cream that produce these lovely cone-shaped flowers, varieties like Phantom, Bobo, Vanilla Freeze, um, Confetti, they flower on this year's growth and they're pruned back in the winter. What I'll actually do, Viv, I'll do a little video to do, show people. That, that yeah. might explain it a bit better to people. I'll do that during the well, week. That's all the time we have for questions. But I want just to recap on what people should be doing. You've got about a minute and a half. Okay. okay. So just lash away there and I'll leave you busy. So remember that, okay, with the rain coming, if you need to green up the lawn, I would feed the lawn this weekend. Uh, the sowing of seed, I mentioned all the various types of vegetables and herbs you can sow at this time of year from seed. If you pop into your local garden centre, they'll also have vegetable plants, things like spinach, uh, purple sprouting broccoli, lettuce varieties that you can plant as plants now at this time of, of year. Um, remember the bulbs, in particular all the spring bulbs. Now you've plenty of time to plant those but they are available in garden centres at the moment so all the tulips and snowdrops, you know if you want a bit of a fun activity over the next couple of weeks, particularly with the children, there's something to do. The pruning back of the apple trees that we mentioned and protecting apple trees in particular or taking any white ripe fruit, lift those now bring them inside. Apples will generally store for at least a month, often two months, often three months depending on the variety. Way, is there a good way of doing Normally, it? Normally you, you, you take uh, undamaged, so make sure the fruit is undamaged. Simply wrap them up in newspaper and put them in a, a garage or a, a, a cold cellar type. Somewhere cold and dark is really where to, to store them for the winter. Um, we're also, the, the, we mentioned the, the trimming back of hedges and as we come into September now, hedges in general should be trimmed back at this time of year, particularly newly planted take the tops off them um, and again no harm to give roses a feed now and continue to deadhead any plants that are in flower if you take off those old flowers that continue to bloom for the next number of weeks listen thanks we, we, we'll we do it all again here, next Saturday yeah, of course Don't worry. And we've a lot of ideas what people are want to talk <laughs> yeah. about that's where we got to leave it Michael D is on the way very shortly and uh, Michael Leary of course thanks to Teresa for her help on the programme and we'll talk to you the, this time next week